everybody. This is Sean Harwell. This is the Never Heard of a Podcast. This is the show where we talk about the movies that have slipped right on through our cracks. And of course, I don't do this alone. I'm happy to welcome back today the one, the only Craig Moorhead. Craig Moorhead, say hello, sir. Uh, continued bad news for your listeners. <laughs> uh, this is Brian Crane again. I know everyone thought they got rid of me last week with the, with the Franklin. Um, but I'm, I'm here for a couple more movies, so... You know, settle in. The group therapy session that we talked about, that'll happen in, in about a month or so. We'll just keep kicking it down the road. Yeah, I mean, that's what you have to do, I think. Especially if, you know, Craig's going to continue to be a jet setter, flying all over the world, having adventures, mm-hmm. that kind of a thing. So, yeah. you know, we have to we have to encourage that. Well, I think we're going to do that a little bit today. We are going to take a trip. But before we get to that, you can find us at NeverHeardPodcast.com. All your links to email, social media are there. Please come say hello. If you have not subscribed already, do so on the podcast platform of your choice. And it's always nice to have reviews, specifically in Apple Podcasts, because that does sort of help people find the show, it seems. That's what the metrics tell us. Thank you for doing that. If you already have, and if you haven't, I don't even, I just don't know what to say about you, I guess. Just make sure they're glowing. Whatever, whatever review you post, that's that's all I'm looking for. Yeah, I mean, if it's bad, make it good, make it glowingly bad, right? Yeah, yeah okay, that's yeah, about. that's fine. Just yeah, interesting. Crane, thank you again for doing this. Uh, of course, you know, Craig uh, appreciates it as well. He sends his love. Maybe he'll like send in a, a taped message response oh, wow, sometime. Yeah. That'd be kind of fun. It's always nice to go to satellite. That'd be great. He's probably not going to do that. Um, <laughs> no, he's done. We're here. It's July. We're recording this the day before Independence Day. So happy holidays uh, to everyone a week later when you're listening to this. <laughs> but uh, you mentioned it already last month. We talked about Michael Mann's The Keep and Gerald McMorrow's Franklin. Listening to that episode on Franklin, you know, we definitely had some bones to pick. <laughs> yeah, we, we did. We gave it a full airing. Yeah, fairly so. But I, I will say you and I and then me and your wife... We've talked about that movie since then and like <laughs> continuing to ask questions right? to the point where I, I wondered, I really thought for a second that I had completely misconstrued a relationship in the film, mm. which, I, you know, we, you talked me off the ledge a little bit. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, but, you know, for everything that didn't work, it is a movie that I've continued to think about. So I, there's something to be said for that, right? Absolutely. Something that sticks in your, in your craw a little bit. Is, is there something mm-hmm. there? There's something there. Uh, well, Brian, how you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm hanging in there. Looking forward to a nice uh, four-day weekend here for the nice. 4th of July. Yeah. Going to chill out, zone out, check out, and sleep probably. Get some of that cool Atlanta breeze. Oh, yeah. Right. Notable this, in July. Yeah, this time of year, it's all cool breezes down here in Atlanta. Well, let's talk about other awesome experiences. Hopefully, we're in for one with this movie we're going to talk about today. Oh, yes. I was trying to think of a theme again for this month because sometimes we get away from that, but it's it's kind of nice and I didn't really know where to go with this exactly. We've got some good suggestions. Some of them are, are a little bit too hard to find mm-hmm. easily as far as a good quality stream mm-hmm. or a copy of it. So I went looking elsewhere and I was thinking about July and specifically July 4th. And I mean, that means one thing, fireworks, right? Ah, yes. And who makes the most fireworks in the world? China. Inventors, yes. It really dawned on me that I know next to nothing about Chinese film. Mm. In fact, I would challenge you right now to name three directors quickly. Oh, um, from China. Ch- Chow Yun Fat. No, he's an actor. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, Can't be done. Wang Li. Yeah, no, I don't know. Nobody. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. But I was in the same boat. Yeah. And obviously, it's a huge market right now, which we're going to get into a little bit today. I went looking and ran across an article in typical me fashion. Don't even remember what the hell the name of the site was. But they had uh, the best Chinese movies streaming on Netflix right now. And so we've got two relatively recent films this month. And yeah, they're all on Netflix as of this recording and hopefully will remain so for, for us to watch them. Fingers crossed. Yeah. The first one we're going to talk about looks absolutely bonkers. It's a film called Animal World from 2018. Here is a logline. A man finds himself deep in debt and is coerced to board a ship that hosts a risky gambling party. I prefer to think of this as a life-changing opportunity. The countdown begins now. I love gambling parties yeah. on ships. Make them risky. Oh, yeah. That's great. I believe... You're going to tell us who made this movie, and as I said before, I definitely apologize because the names are not going to be easy. We're going to do our best. Yeah, so if uh, any of our Chinese listeners, uh, I apologize for the uh, the impending butchery of, uh, of those names, but I think we'll get through it. I think uh, we have uh, surprises in both the crew and the cast, so uh, strap in. Ah. Okay, cool. Yeah, so the director of Animal World is a young man named Jan Han. He directed uh, a film called First Time back in 2012. Was that his first movie? No, I, you know, that would be really useful information to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, just, I mean, you go to the well, you just yeah. first-time directors and the movie's called First Time. I don't know, yeah. it just would make sense, but maybe not. And before I go much further into, I should uh, give you my methodology. I really just picked out some uh, some interesting titles from the filmography, some amusing ones. You got to. Yeah. Yes. So these these are just ones that I found. I'm just like, you know what? That's that's fun. That is keeping within the Never Heard of a okay, Podcast good. Uh, format <laughs> for when we do movies from across the seas. So, yes, thank Okay, you. good. One more notable film of his uh, was one from 2015 called uh, Go Away, Mr. Tumor. Great title. Uh, absolutely. Yep. You know what that's about, I guess. Probably cancer, I guess. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. So, you know, uplifting. Could just be a guy who has a very unfortunate last name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe so. <laughs> Uh, Go away. So he was also a credited writer along with a another man named uh, Nobuyuki Fukumoto. You're killing these. These are great. Oh, thank, Good job. Thank you. And he had some really fun titles in his writography. <laughs> <laughs> the coolest of which was uh, Gambling Apocalypse Kaiji. And it just yeah, wow. it just made me yeah. think, what's in a gambling apocalypse look like? And I <laughs> I don't know. I just want to see. We may find out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that was a, a a manga TV series. That's mostly what he's been writing. So I think that might give us a, oh, well. a, a taste mm -hmm. of the flavor we'll experience with Animal World. Another one is uh, Akaji uh, Yami ni Oritata Tensai from 2015. <laughs> and uh, Kanji, The Final Game, which also sounds very gambling related. Yeah. But I should uh, warn everybody that's not to be confused with Kaiji, The Ultimate Gambler. So Kanji okay. and Kaiji are very different. This was produced by Ieda Zishi Chen, who had made a number of films, uh, City of Rock 2017, Some Like It Hot 2016. Wait a second. I, I hope it's a remake. That would be amazing. I do too. Yeah, that would be really cool. A Detective Chinatown in 2015. Mm -hmm. The cinematography was done by a, a man named Max Da Yung Wang. He did The Lady and the Tiger in 2018 and The, the Devotion of Suspect X in 2017. 
Wow, that's a good title too. The other, only other notable crew person on this was a man named Sean Friedberg, somewhat different from the other guys. Slightly, yeah. He is a visual effects heavyweight. He's done Avengers Endgame, Mortal Engines, Justice League. He's working on Avatar 2 right now. His title is a Lead Motion R&D Tech Director. Wow. And he has that title on every one of these movies. I believe he is with Weta. Uh, which is famous, okay. of course, for the Lord of the Rings uh, visual effects, mm-hmm. which is where they made their name with Peter Jackson, which would also explain why he came back for Peter Jackson's more recent uh, Mortal Engines. So I'm ex- okay. I'm expecting a fairly high level of uh, visual effects in this movie. Yeah, I looked at the trailer, and it definitely seems like there's some of that. But uh, wow, that's yeah, I didn't realize there would be a, a, a well, I guess that's Eastern connection there, yeah. perhaps. Uh, yeah, yeah, far- even further east <laughs> right. if it's New Zealand. East, he may not be East, nearly yeah. West connection. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Um, and that's that's uh, that's all we have for the uh, the crew. We'll move over to the cast now. With the IMDb, where I'm grabbing these from, uh, you know, the part of the problem is I, I have no previous experience with any of these actors, all of whom I, I'm sure are, are quite fine actors. So, if I'm putting a supporting actor ahead of an of a leading actor, that's just the ordering of of IMDb. Yep. But the first one I've got is uh, Yi Feng Li, who plays mm-hmm. uh, Zheng Kaisi, and uh, Yi Feng is known for. Uh, Guilty of Mind, A Legend of Chosen, The Legend of Fragrance, which I... The Legend of Fragrance. Yeah, wow. I am excited about that one. I think maybe that's, yeah. that's another one, another never heard of it. We may have to, yeah. Dong Yu Zhu played Lin Qing, I'll say, even though there's no you mm-hmm. behind that cue. Um, <laughs> she did seven films in 2017. Wow, busy. Yeah, and only three in 2018, but given that most of our movie stars do at most like one or two... It, yeah. I, that, that sort of thing kept popping up again and again. She was in Kung Fu Monster 2018, Gold Buster in 2017, and A <laughs> Nail Clipper Romance in 2017. Ooh, God, those are good. Uh, yeah, and uh, the next actor is obscure even for Chinese cinema, uh, someone named Michael Douglas. Uh, well. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Now I knew he was in this. That's a huge reason why I wanted to see it. Yeah. I, I can't wait to to find out more about what the hell he's doing in this thing. No kidding. Um, I, I saw a brief uh, scene snippet from this. I'm just like, cool. He looks awesome. He looks like he's you know commanding the screen yet again. Uh, he plays yeah. a guy named Anderson. He's been, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, exactly what you would, would name a, one of the two or three white guys in your, mm-hmm. in your movie. Uh, he's been in, obviously, Wall Street and a plethora of films. His filmography is quite the scroll bar. You have a favorite, Brian? A favorite Michael Douglas movie? Very good question. I, I had a, um, a soft spot for Romancing the Stone. I'll say one of my favorite movies as a kid. I did enjoy Behind the Candelabra, uh, one of his more recent um, movies. Scott. I think he did for... <laughs> yes, so good. I mean, yeah, such a like a good fearless performance. Where I know my respect for Michael Douglas just went up. You know, he's still that hungry for new and exciting roles and depicting people oh, very yeah. far outside his experience. I think it's just really cool. Yeah, and this was funny because he did this movie between Ant Man and The Wasp and Endgame. So yeah. Yeah, he just sandwiched two giant yeah. and then went off to China and did this one. Also in this is Bing Kun Kao, who plays Li Jin. I'm sorry, Li Jun. <laughs> <laughs> he was in a movie called The Struggle of 80s. So I don't know if that's a reference to the huh. 1980s or just being 80, which I imagine is on some days a struggle. <laughs> yes. uh, that's, uh, that's in 2014. 
And he was also in a movie called Welcome to Shama Town in 2010. Mm-hmm. And this is sort of funny. Um, I don't know if this this guy's on the list of, of the cast. I don't know if he's a player at all, but his name is Eric Heisey. He got a start, uh, I think, in a, as a bit role on TV. It was on an episode of West Wing in 2002. He played, uh, huh. he played the banquet guest. Um, oh, I remember that. Yeah, that was so good. No, right? I don't. Yeah. And so I was, I was following his trail, and then suddenly I see him. Um, he plays Hemingway in a film called Chasing Hemingway. And huh. I was like, holy cow, he really just, you know, he must have caught some casting director's eye. They're going to put him in a movie, and he's going to play the eponymous character. I check it out, and, and no, it's like it's, it's a Chinese love story. Hemingway, I think, has to be secondary. So he probably has yet again another five second cameo or something. So yeah, it was not to be. But he plays huh. prisoner Eric in this, and it just popped oh, out okay. to me because he's like, oh, okay, here's another American. Cool. But yeah, beyond that, that's that's kind of it. That's the that's really the cast and crew for Animal World. I almost said Planet. I'm glad I didn't. Animal World. <laughs> yeah. I, I wanted to call this movie Animal Patrol like 16 different times for some reason. I don't know why. I was like thinking of Paw Patrol or something. Yeah, you must God have only been. Knows. Yeah. Uh, I didn't think about Animal Planet, but that makes way more sense than my thing. Oh, sure. Thank you for doing an awesome job with that. You bet. And yeah, if there is anyone listening that's way more familiar with, obviously, um, this area and these film stars, yeah, if there's somebody we missed that's of note, let us know. All right. So as you might imagine, without being able to translate things, I didn't find a ton of information <laughs> about the making of this movie. Sure. Wanted really badly to find some sort of quote from Michael Douglas about it. Couldn't even find that. Oh, wow. So we'll just get into what I got. And some of it's going to talk a little bit more about just the, the industry in general. Okay. But they did apparently shoot this movie between the, uh, February and August of 2017. And they shot on locations in Beijing, Tianjin, and Haiku. Which I didn't know there was a place called Haiku, but this has an O in it. So again, maybe I'm mispronouncing it. IMDB called this both a version of and a remake of a 2009 Japanese film, which you've mentioned the title before, Kaiji the Ultimate Gambler, which is the manga series, which I also saw that manga series called Ultimate Survivor. I don't know if that's the series or not but anyway the 2009 film is a live action film directed by Toya Sato so that that's out there I don't know oh interesting yeah and, and I think from what I read that veers much more closely to the manga and this takes some pretty healthy turns into something else okay uh, the one that we're going to watch so interesting yeah very interesting uh, CMC Pictures which is the international distributor of this film is controlled by someone named Lee Rugang's China Media Capital Holdings, which was established in 2016 with, yes, support from the Chinese government. Mm, okay. And they've built the distribution network in 50 countries now. They say, quote, that their presence is strongest in North America, Australia, New Zealand, the UK, Germany, and Southeast Asia. Our main target is still the Chinese diaspora audience living overseas but over time we expect to build a substantial non-chinese audience for chinese films and uh i will be the least surprised person on the planet if they succeed in that yeah in the next 20 years right yeah no kidding this movie premiered and opened the shanghai international film festival which is a big deal and I did not know this, but I do think it's awesome that at that film festival, they have an award called the Jackie Chan Action Movie Award. Oh, brilliant. That's nice to know. Yes. A movie called Out of Paradise won Best Picture, The Golden Goblet, that year. 
And it was listed as a Switzerland and Mongolia production, which is kind of <laughs> strange bedfellows to me. Yeah, I don't know no what's to see more there. But yes, this got a limited release in the USA, I think presumably only on Netflix. I uh, did not see any theaters uh, releases attached to it okay. in America. It did play other non-Asian countries, and that was all released same day as China, June 29th, 2018. I am still trying to figure this out exactly. I saw one thing, which I think was on a site called The Numbers, which is sort of an equivalent to Box Office Mojo, that had this number of screens in China listed that this played on as over 100,000. Whoa. I have further information that suggests there aren't even that many screens in China, which <laughs> okay. would be, I mean, that would be like more than double what's in America, yeah, in fact. Yeah. So my guess is that that's supposed to say 10,000. But that's still... Still huge. Yeah, large blockbusters in America are playing 3,000 screens right. opening weekend or thereabouts. Yeah, so they added one too many zeros. It happens. This was also known as Animal Mundo in Brazil. Oh. And Dung Mat Sai Guy in Cantonese. Oh. So there you go. Okay. I don't know what Dung means in <laughs> Cantonese, but I'm very curious. No taglines that I could find for either of the Chinese movies. No We're going to talk about this one. Sadly, yeah, I don't know. So I may have to. We have to make one up after we see him. Yeah, after we see it, we'll just make up one. <laughs> that's that's on, your challenge that's for on next us. week. That's on us. Oh, geez. Challenge that's... accepted. Yeah, that is a good challenge. Okay. <laughs> I will have to remember that. Yes. All right, so box office, I never saw a budget listed for this movie. I don't know. But it did top the Chinese box office the week it came out. And guess what movie it knocked out of first place, Crane? Um... The Wandering Earth. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, ah, my friend. Okay. Yeah. Wow. It grossed over $77 million U.S. dollars in uh, China. It also did fairly well in the United Arab Emirates. It did so-so in the U.K. It made over 200000 in other territories, etc. Yeah. So not a bad yeah, haul. Not shabby at all. And it's Jurassic, Jurassic Park you're talking about, right? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, well, that'd be good to know. I wonder how much Jurassic World uh, Fallen Kingdom did do in China. I'll have to look there. Yeah, I got some other information about kind of where some of these movies fall within American movies. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. So let's get into the business a little bit here. So according to data released by the China Film Bureau, the number of movie theaters in mainland China was 9,965 as of March 2018. And those 9,900 theaters offer 54,165 screens, which, yes, now tops the United States, which has about 45,000 screens as of 2017. Mm. 88% of those screens can show 3D, and 502 of them are IMAX screens. Wow, that's so, a lot. thought that was kind of impressive yeah. from ChinaFilmInsider.com. No kidding. I learned that for decades after the Communist Party took power in 1949, uh, state-owned cinemas, as you might expect, showed mostly propaganda films that starred peasants and soldiers. Mm-hmm. Even after economic reforms changed things in the 80s and 90s, movies cost as little as three cents for a showing wow. of either foreign or domestic films, which is crazy. Wait, wait back, back then or currently? Back then. It oh, has okay. changed. Okay. And yeah, obviously, as, as their economy is, as is, became more market-oriented, State-operated theaters in places that were less populous closed, actually. Ah. And people sort of lost the cinema-going habit, and I've got more on that. There's a company called the Wanda Group, which is like a real estate conglomerate there, but they now own 
AMC theaters, you know, the American theater here. Yeah. And they've sort of been at the forefront at, you know, leading a private cinema growth there in large cities in China. And yeah, as of 2013, they had fewer than 20,000 screens. So they've added 34,000 in like six years, which is crazy. Wow, it is. Once again, 1.4 billion people in China, obviously largest on the planet. They say there's still plenty of room for growth. One of the things I read was that, you know, specifically in what's considered a small city or a rural area there, which is still like, uh, let me find this here. Uh, There's a town called Zhulo, I think, or is Mm -hmm. Z-H-O-U-L-O, outside of Beijing. They had three screens and 400 seats for a county of 350,000 people, right? (laughs) So this article on ctvnews.ca was saying that the movie theaters are popping up in these places, but the the business at that specific theater was so sporadic that they actually rented it out to do meetings sometimes, and they were still only like breaking even then. Oh, wow. And and even on the box office side of things, it still says it's much smaller in China. You know, it's $6.5 billion in 2015 on the whole mm-hmm. compared to $11 billion in North America, right? Oh, That's wow. for like the an entire year for the box office. Catching up, though. Yeah, they are catching up. But uh, even still, there's only 23 screens per million Chinese people compared to 125 per million in the U.S. Mm. So yeah, we'll see what happens. About those ticket prices, no. I, I tried to find out that specific answer. I looked at Quora.com. Saw ranges from about $4 to $16. Okay. One thing that I thought was interesting, they said that most movie theater chains over there have half-off prices if you book online. Wow. Man, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, that's worth doing. <laughs> yeah, their average price is about 8 bucks, 8 US dollars. So um, doesn't sound, it's very reasonable. Yeah, doesn't sound too far off from us. No, definitely not. Well, let's talk box office in the U.S. for 2018. Do you remember the number one movie of the year? This was only uh, a year ago. Oh, a year ago. That would have probably been um, Avengers Infinity War. Very close. Black Panther. Black Panther. Oh, wow. Oh, I guess because it was... No, why wouldn't it have been? Black Panther did better than Avengers? It did domestically. Wow, that's even that surprising. Yeah, I think globally it's swapped. Okay. Yeah, so this is just U.S. Top 10 U.S. was Black Panther, uh, Infinity War... Incredibles 2, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, Aquaman Deadpool 2, Dr. Seuss's The Grinch, which I had no idea made that much money. Yeah, no kidding. Mission Impossible Fallout, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Bohemian Rhapsody, and I'll throw in an extra, A Star is Born. Okay. Some quick math here. Nine of the top 11, Brian, are either franchise sequels or remakes. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) let's see, one, two, three, four, five of the 11 can be claimed under the Disney umbrella at this point. Oh, man. That's so much money. Wow. Yeah. When we talk about the other movie, I think they had a better year that year even. Uh, Other notable movies from 2018 just last year, of course. You had Solo, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, A Quiet Place, Crazy Rich Asians, Mary Poppins Returns, Halloween, Ocean's 8, Ready Player One, Bumblebee, Green Book, Black Klansman, Vice, First Man, Hereditary, Tyler Perry's Acrimony, Isle of Dogs, <laughs> Won't You Be My Neighbor, and a million, million more. That was all just in the top 100 and me glancing past all the crap that I'm never, ever going to watch. <laughs> right. And it goes on and on. Yeah. So here we go. Global box office for 2018. There were two Chinese films that placed in the top 20. 
One was a movie called Operation Red Sea, which made over $575 million globally. Whoa. Less than two million of that was made in the United States, which is crazy. <laughs> it finished 13th overall worldwide for that year, just behind Ready Player One. Uh, you make t- mentioned a movie called Detective Chinatown. Yeah. Well, there is a sequel to that called Detective Chinatown Volume 2, mm. and that was number 14 no uh, on the global box office with $544 million total. Wow. I'm wrong. Actually, my, I just misspoke. They had three in the top 20. There was a movie called Dying to Survive, which had over $451 million. Wow. Lots of money, Crane. Yeah, there's lots of money to be made out there. That's great. Yeah, Yetta, Yetta Zishi Chen, the producer of Detective Chinatown, probably making some money off of these things. Definitely. <laughs> and yeah, I, I think that's only going to continue. Mm-hmm. Do we need to refresh the Oscars from last year? Everybody remembers what won Best Picture? Surprisingly. Oh, yeah. That would have been a green book for Best Picture. You're absolutely right. Rami Malek, Olivia Coleman, Mahershala Ali, Regina King all picked up acting Oscars. Alfonso Cuaron got director cinematography. Spider-Verse, best animated movie. Roma, best foreign language film. Yes. Here's a, a something interesting in regards to China and the Oscars. There was a, an article in The Hollywood Reporter from February of this year by Patrick Brzezinski who said that, uh, quote, one of the great ironies of China's box office boom era is the way the country's Oscar fortunes took a nosedive just as a nation became a powerhouse of film production and consumption. And the claim is that instead of pushing some of the movies that they've had really good critical acclaim for internationally, Mm -hmm. they submit movies that are way more nationalized and... uh, you know, intended to promote the image of China, perhaps. I see. Instead, and in fact, they submitted a movie in 2015 to the Academy called Wolf Totem, which is a title I had on my radar, and I realized why, and that's because it was actually a co-production with France directed by Jean-Jacques Noe, who directed Quest for Fire, which ah. we did on this podcast. He also did Enemy at the Gates and Seven Years in Tibet. Okay. Well, the Academy said, yeah, this isn't really a Chinese film. No, thank you. <laughs> and uh, they quickly substituted that with Go Away, Mr. Toomer. No kidding. From, wow. yes, Yan Han instead. I'm picking out some so, good titles randomly from these filmographies. I know. <laughs> This article said that he himself was surprised and even mentioned it on Facebook that he had no idea that they had done that. <laughs> it did not get a nomination, though, sadly. With that title, come on. What were they thinking? Yeah. Well, let's talk, get back to Animal World here, and we'll wrap this up. Uh, it seems like the critical reception is pretty good. Deborah Young at Hollywood Reporter said, quote, it's an exciting, if disjointed, mash of ideas and emotions. Said Michael Douglas is, quote, humorous without being facetious and scary in his cynicism. Uh, Lee Monson at Birth, Death, Movies said, Animal World is oddly split in its focus and doesn't deliver the story it promises in its first act. The movie we eventually get is just fine, pretty good even, but it feels intent to reel you in with false expectations that can only serve to make the real plot inevitably disappointing. Here's hmm. hoping that promised sequel actually does something with this bonkers, Pennywise meets kick-ass concept. So, <laughs> yes, there will be clowns in this movie. Oh, Prepare dear. yourself, folks. Oh, man. Okay. 
Yifeng Li, who you mentioned, the actress, won a jury award, and Yan Han got a special jury mention at the 2018 Beijing Youth Film Festival for this movie. So I think it definitely is geared a little more towards teens, and okay. uh, we'll see. Interesting. Uh, some miscellaneous, uh, the, <laughs> you know, IMDb has these trivia sections for every movie, right? Yeah. And, you know, usually the stuff we get has, like, I'm, I'm, I have to, like, pick things to not include, you know, just because yeah. there's so much stuff. There's one lone sentence on the trivia section of this IMDb page, and it says, quote, Michael Douglas is in this movie because reasons, period. (laughs) It made me laugh, so I felt like I should mention it. it. Uh, Kudos to whoever wrote that in there. (laughs) Let's do a little bit of trivia here. Just uh, June 28th is a a pretty good day for birthdays in this industry. Kathy Bates, Mel Brooks, John Cusack all celebrate that day along with Elon Musk. Nice. And it's also the anniversary, and it, you know, this just happened, it was, I saw it mentioned you know, quite a bit in the news, of the Stonewall riots uh, in Greenwich Village in the United States, a mm-hmm. uh, big moment for um, LGBTQ mm-hmm. rights. And I did not realize this, but also June 28th is National Ceviche Day and National Tapioca Day in the United States. So wow. I hope people got their fill. No two dishes go better together. I think that's, that's <laughs> you know, I think that's, that sounds absolutely <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> Make a nice pudding with yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. You get a little surprises well, every now and then. Yeah. But that's all I got. Again, the movie is Animal World. It's 2018, streaming on Netflix. You can go at least hover on it, and you'll get a little glimpse of of it. It looks like fun. You got Michael Douglas surrounded by people who speak a language. I'm sure he does not understand. So, <laughs> yeah, well, watch the first five minutes, see what you think of it, and we'll tell you about the rest. <laughs> Absolutely. Any additional last words, Brian? Uh, no, just. Um... Really interested to see this kind of uh, low-key gambling apocalypse kind of movie. (laughs) I didn't know the premise. The premise sounds great, so I'm excited to watch this thing. Absolutely. All right. Go do so, everyone, and come back next time, and we'll get into it. Bye-bye. Bye.